Hey folks, welcome to the Buckle Up Podcast, the Millennial's Guide to the BLI. I'm your host, Enzo Kong. Speaking of North Macedonia, we can't afford not to talk about its history. It's one of the most culturally and historically rich countries in Europe, and the history of Skopje, its capital, dates back to 4000 BC. However, its history is also a major source of controversy with its neighbors, such as Greece and Bulgaria, and has major impacts on its prospects of EU accession. Anastasia Mukovska is my guest today. She is about to finish a master's degree in economic development and international finance. She now works in the telecommunications sector, and she's also a co-founder of a young economist initiative called Young Economic Minds. In our chat, we took a look at the potential areas of cooperation between North Macedonia and China, ranging from roads and energy to tourism and smart cities. I enjoyed a great deal talking to Anastasia, and I'm sure you will enjoy the conversation. Hi, Anastasia. It's good to see you. Welcome to the show. Hi, Enzo. Good to see you, too. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for inviting me here. How are you? I'm fine. It's a pleasure. Um, now, it's mm-hmm. North Macedonia, and we've... The first thing we've got to talk about is definitely is history. So I learned that um, its capital, Skopje, is, what, 7,000 years old. Um, It has its own language. It has the deepest lake in Europe. So to you, what is the most amazing part of your country's history? So as you already said, as you already mentioned, um, our country, my country, is actually a very old country, and we have a lot of history built here, a lot of ancient civilizations, a lot of events. However, the modern day history begins in 1991 when we proclaimed our independence through a referendum from Yugoslavia. So that's when the modern day history begins. Uh, Regarding the times, I would definitely like to say that that is probably one of my favorite historical periods because for the first time, Macedonia got... um, actually approved and accepted as as a country and we got our sovereignty and our independence uh, speaking of history i think that important cultural and historical natural monument of the country because macedonia even though it's a small country so we're talking about a country that has less than two million people that um yeah less than two million people it's it's almost like uh, like a very 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 <laughs> Yeah, very small, very small village, probably somewhere in China. Um, It's it's very small, so it's only around 25,000 square meters, which is also uh, a small country. We we do have a lot of natural beauties. So you already mentioned the Lake Ohrid, which is uh, also one of the UNESCO sites. So it is an amazing touch of culture and history. If you just walk down the, the lake, you can see a lot of history, a lot of cultural monuments. Um, the, the lake has its own uh, architecture. So there are there is a legend that says that uh, in Ohrid there are 365 churches. So there is a church for every day of the, of the year. And all of them are built in different styles depending on the period when they were, when they were built. Uh, also, the lake is uh, is amazing. I definitely recommend anyone who, who is able to come just to come and visit Ohrid. Um, now back to the capital, to the city where, where I come from. It's also full of history. It was burned to the ground once back in the days uh, when there was the plague, but it was rebuilt again and now is um, is serving as the capital of Macedonia. Near the, the city center, there is also another natural beauty, which is the Canyon Matka. It is definitely one of the, the most beautiful canyons I have visited. Um, definitely a top place for visiting if you ever come or if, if anyone ever likes to come here in Skopje. And uh, the city center itself, because it is um, literally a time machine. So um, with the stone bridge that connects both ends, you can actually see how the old part, which is uh, the old bazaar, 
old Turkish bazaar, which was built during the Ottoman Empire because Macedonia was under an Ottoman Empire. And then you just pass the bridge and you enter the modern part of the city where the modern buildings are and where you can see how uh, how actually the architecture and the city developed during the ages. So then we, we have like 17, 18, 19th century. And then you have the early 20th century with the brutalist architecture. So it's kind of like, it's an amazing town. I recommend coming here and visiting it and just like living up the energy. It's the liveliest town round. <laughs> amazing tourist spots. And tourism is definitely something we're going to talk about later. Yes, uh, yes, definitely. Uh, and we, if we look um, closer to the recent history, um, it has not been without disputes because um, North Macedonia has been trying to um, get into the EU, but um, the accession process has been uh, blocked by Greece for some years. Until in 2018, the two countries reached an agreement where North, Mac well, North Macedonia changed it, it changed its name to North Macedonia in exchange for Greece um, unblocking of the process. Yes. However, just when we thought things are getting better, this time we have Bulgaria, who is um, opposing the exception for some other reasons. Anastasia, can you tell us what is going on here? Yeah, so, okay, uh, a big... Yeah, so let's just take a leap backwards. Um, in 2004, Macedonia was actually one of the first countries from the Western Balkans that applied for uh, that applied as to become a candidate member for EU accession. And the whole journey with our candidature, with our application actually for becoming a candidate country, started in 2005. So we're talking about a period of more than 15 years from then until now. And uh, the dispute with Greece goes way back in time after the independence of Macedonia, when, uh, because when we proclaimed our independence, the official name of the country was uh, to be accepted as the Republic of Macedonia. Um, over 120 countries in the world accepted that name, including the United States, including China, including Russia. However, because there is a region in Greece that bears the same name, Macedonia. The Greek government opposed strongly towards uh, this official name, Republic of Macedonia, especially during the entry of Macedonia in the United Nations Organization. And therefore, um, as a proxy, a bilateral name was agreed upon, which is the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia. And that name has been used ever since in a lot of official events. Um, in order not to not to enrage our our southern neighbors. However, when we applied to join, uh, actually when we when we had our candidature, and the team the time came when um, during a meeting for uh, NATO and EU accession, actually the beginning of the accession procedure, uh, Greece I I believe it happened in 2008. We actually received a veto from the Greek side. Uh, saying mainly that the veto is due to the unresolved name problem because hence um, that is something that has been going on for a lot of years, but then it, it would have become more official. So we received our first veto back then and that sort of a hindered the whole EU accession procedure for my country. Years later, years later, governments changed in between. We had a political crisis, there was a global economic crisis in between. And then we stepped again uh, on another meeting to, for another accession, for another beginning of the accession procedures. However, we received a veto again, <laughs> and then in 2017 and 2018, the whole negotiations with the PRESPA agreement began earlier. But in 2018, we finally signed the uh, PRESPA agreement. It was done in June. I believe it was June the 18th, so in summer, near the PRESPA League. And afterwards, in 2018, we began our negotiations with NATO, and we became a member of NATO in 2020. Was, However... Uh, you know, most of the North Macedonian, I mean, the name change. Well, yeah, there was a referendum for the name change. And there were a little bit of scandals regarding the referendum, because in order for a referendum to be proclaimed as successful, more than 50% of the populace has to get out on the referendum oh. and to express their opinion. And afterwards, when they have the census, because there wasn't a clear decision during the referendum, the turnout rate was a bit lower than the uh, the parliament 
actually brought up decision for the name change. So that was, yeah. And there were, uh, there were a lot of carols here internally, not only on the political stage, but among people as well, because a very huge proportion of the populace was against the, the name change and uh, the adding of the, of the, yeah, of the adjective North Macedonia. However, uh, that was happening in 2017. Then in 2018, we signed the, the FRESP agreement and the years long dispute with Greece was settled. And that's actually when the North Atlantic and European um, accession sort of started to speed up and to get a momentum. And then we entered NATO. However, in 2020, we received another veto, but this time this veto wasn't from the side of Greece, but from the side of our other neighbor, who is a country that is, um, that is a member of the European Union, Bulgaria. And this time the, the veto is mainly for violating um, the, which is actually, the, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because this is this is like a very big clash point between the Bulgarians and the Macedonians. So it's it's kind of something that is present in the public debate. So the Bulgarians are stating that the Macedonians have um, the, the Macedonian public has a big anti-Bulgarian campaign, and the Macedonians are claiming that the Bulgarians are having that same thing. So it's kind of like um, a big conflict that is hindering our acceptance into our accession procedure to the European Union. However, due to the whole uh, emergence of the COVID pandemic, I really hope that the, the, our diplomacies and our governments will find a solution and overcome this dispute without having any of the sites hurt and without causing any additional damage of, um, of, yeah, of the debate and the discourse between the, the countries. So yeah, that's that's a brief history. It sounds sad. I know it sounds sad because I feel as if I'm I'm 23 years old and I feel as if for my whole life we have been hoping to to enter the European Union. It's kind of like this this light at the end of the the tunnel, but then every time there are different challenges and different challenges and different challenges, and it's kind of it's it's kind of becoming like a constant um, quest for for the EU accession. And I think it's not just a problem with your country. Um, so we know that some other Western Balkan countries are also trying to get into the EU, but progress has been um, pretty slow of late. So we know that the EU has some internal problems, um, disputes with Poland, one of its members recently. Um, the leadership is in some sort of um, troubles as well. So I think we just have to wait until the, the general climate gets better until we can talk about it. Yes, yeah, so the, the enlargement of the European Union is still part of the agenda. However, due to everything that, that has been happening, it's probably not the number one priority as it was earlier. Right. But it's still like we, we still have to work. We have to do the homework because in order to enter the European Union, there are like a lot of chapters, a lot of things that have to be fulfilled. And if we just stay and, and wait for better days, then we won't progress as a country. So therefore, I think that the country has to still push towards achieving and becoming better, becoming better every day. And now, and in the meantime, we know that North Macedonia has been cultivating some strong ties with China. Um, it's signed um, the Memorandum of Understanding to join the 17 plus 1 framework under the BRI in 2014. So yes. just now we talked about the EU accession. So the fir my first question for you is, would China be an alternative to the EU or can the relationships actually coexist? Um, actually, no, I don't see China as an alternative to the European Union or, or the other relationships. I think that the main point here is that by, by offering alternatives, we're kind of missing a point. Because if we take Macedonia, I already mentioned, so we're a very small country, right? Less than 2 million people, um, around 12, uh, 12 billion American dollars of GDP. So it's a it's, it's very small country. And for us, um, it's not either or. The question is... Uh, more of a complementary basis. So, for for our case, it can it definitely is European Union and China, because I believe that there is a lot we can learn from both sides. So they offer different perspectives, they offer different approaches, 
And overall, the, the goals are way different. So it's important to just sit back and find a way to, to create a strategy or a plan how to maintain and develop the good relations with China while also ensuring the EU accession process of Macedonia. So it's not either or, it's definitely it's China is in the plan, plan A together with the European Union. So it's not a plan B. Now you mentioned that the goals are a little different between the two um, directions. Speaking of the BLI, so what are the, uh, the goals that North Macedonia is looking at and, and what was mentioned in the Memorandum of Understanding actually? So actually, if, if, we, if we look at the, the Belt and Road Initiative as a whole, it is sort of a geopolitical and economic initiative in order to connect China, both with Europe and Africa, um, with um, different types of projects, different types of initiatives, infrastructure building, building cultural relationships, bridging the gap between, um, between the understanding, actually improving the understanding of the countries. However, in Macedonia, in my country, even since the beginning and the introduction of, uh, of the initiative 2013-2014, upon the signing of the memorandum of understanding, the biggest accent is put on the economic perspectives, which is from one side, investments, Chinese investments, or Chinese loans or uh, business cooperation between China and Macedonia, including import and exports of goods. Um, and uh, yeah, foreign direct investment, in increasing the number of tourists and infrastructural development. So the biggest accent is on the economical perspective. Why don't we just jump into one of the signature projects um, since the mm -hmm. signing of the MOU. Now, um, the Chinese SOE Sino-Hydro has been part of um, the construction of two highways in North Macedonia since 2014. And I know that North Macedonia is a landlocked country, is surrounded by I think, three or four countries. So mm -hmm. can you tell us what is the importance of having roads um, in terms of um, connectivity and trade? Um, so the whole geographic position of Macedonia is that of a crossroad because we are a country that is situated right in the middle of the Balkan Peninsula, meaning that a lot of the, yeah, a lot of the roads are crossing through our country. It was also the case with the Roman Empire via Ignatia. So it's it's kind of our, our thing. And due to the fact, as you already mentioned, we are a landlocked country, then roads and railways are probably the cheapest way of transport. Now, the problem with- uh, um, Bulgaria, Albania, and- Yeah, so the corridor 10 and the corridor eight. Right. Because it actually, it enables connection with the Mediterranean Sea. Uh. So through Greece, yes, the Mediterranean Sea, which is with one of the biggest ports. We have the ports in Piraeus, then the ports in Athens, port in Thessaloniki. Those are the biggest ports in Greece, which are very important trade locations and trade exchange points for, for maritime um, trade. And then towards the north, so if we travel towards the north, the road goes through Macedonia, then into Serbia, and then afterwards it goes Hungary, and upwards towards central, and depending on the site, eastern or western Europe. So meaning that that is one of the important routes. And then the other important routes, it can be also connected through the Mediterranean Sea from the Albanian side, in Trac, so that is in Dures. I think I, I think that that is the, the English name of the of the city Duras. Um, there is a big port there that can be also connected through the eighth corridor, through Ohrid, and then go upwards and then continue towards Bulgaria and onto the other side of Europe. So yes, it is we we, we literally are a country on the crossroads. Uh, however, due to the as you already mentioned, there have been two big infrastructural projects that have been funded by the Chinese Import Export Bank. So that was a loan that was granted from, from the Chinese through a public bidding procedure. So the biggest amount of investments that have been done in Macedonia from Chinese side is mainly in the public sector through different sorts of public uh, bidding procedures. So it's not in the private sector. And uh, that was the biggest one and actually the initial one which happened here. Uh, it was also part of the important credit line. However, uh, the investment was done for, for building of two highways, which was the Milodinov-Tishtip highway. 
it's already in in function and the yeah the kichavo ohrit part from the highway which is also under construction however uh, there were a lot of scandals regarding this public procedure which created a lot of negative aura and a lot of negative debate in in our public um, we had it was actually something that was offset during the political crisis in Macedonia because we had a political crisis in 2015 where there was a statement um, it lasted for a bit longer than that so it started off uh, 2015 and then it lasted a bit longer and there was this um, wiretaping materials that were published and in one of the wiretaping materials there was a scandal that was connected with building of these two highways and the financing for the highways and that's when things went a little bit sideways and there was a lot of negative uh negative debate as i already mentioned regarding this infrastructural projects however uh besides these public procedure infrastructural projects that were done um yeah by by chinese uh grants there have been also another investments that don't have as much or don't have a lot of um, negative criticism towards it, which is, let's say, in the renewable energy sector, the building of the Koziak power plant. It's also done by a Chinese company. And there were also other procedures that were done, actual public procedures, public procurement procedures done by our government, which were uh, supplemented by uh, Chinese companies. For example, let's say the, the, the new electric trains, that were brought here, also um, the procurement for computers for the elementary schools. And um, the third important one was the procurement for buses. So the, the majority, actually the biggest part of the buses here in Skopje are Chinese buses. So they're, they're from the brand new town. So every day we're entering Chinese buses and riding with them. Are they, are they electrical? Uh, no, the buses aren't electric. The buses are... are Normal, yeah, but the trains were electric. Because a few years ago, we also got um, so Macedonia back in the day. So we're talking about early, early, early. Uh, had the most um, advanced railway station and the most advanced railway network, but it stopped somewhere in the 19th and 20th century. So right now we're still working on the tracks from that period of time, working with many of the trains from that period of time, meaning that. Um, even if we speak about a Chinese investment, because we, we know that um, one of the main topics for, for developing the infrastructure is especially the railway that is supposed to go from Piraeus, which is in Greece, the high-speed railway, uh, to, to go to Belgrade, and the part that is now being built, which is from Belgrade to Budapest, which will be a very important route on the Belt and Road Initiative, and will also help Macedonian companies connect with the Western European countries through exports and enable a cheap export and cheap trade of goods, important export of goods, um, is unable to be executed here because our railways um, are not advanced enough in order to allow the movement of high-speed trains. So the highest speed train here is going 120 kilometers per hour, and that is an overkill. So generally they move between 60 to 80 kilometers an hour, meaning that the railway transport is not actually that attractive, neither for the passenger transport, nor for, for goods transport, because it has to go slow and it has to go, yeah it has to be done by a rudimentary means and and sort of it's kind of like if if you if you enter like the, the, the for example the shanghai metro or or the trains there and you come to macedonia it will be like a time travel like like you enter a museum so you just enter the, the train you're like okay so this is <laughs> yeah therefore a lot of investment a lot of um huge and large-scale investment have to be made in order to reconstruct the whole railway uh lines in order to be able to to become part of that uh, that yeah that route, and therefore, even though it's been mentioned consequently on all of the BRI meetings, it hasn't been executed, nor a strict plan has been still put in mission for regarding the, the development of this infrastructural project for the railway. And just now we touched on uh, power, so I learned that North Macedonia actually has a lot of sunny days over the year, 
not to mention that there is a big sun on the, on the national flag, although that might not be related. So do you think solar is somewhere we can look at in terms of investments from China? Yes, yes. Actually, we have, so this is, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not sure if it's a right statistic, but it's something that I read somewhere, that Macedonia is the second country in the world after California with the peak of sunny hours per day, meaning that we have an enormous, so we're talking about gigantic solar potential. However, the use and the uh, the use of the solar potential of Macedonia is very low, and the solar energy um is only let's say around half a percentage so we're talking 0.5 percent included in the whole uh, energy mix of the country and this is mainly due to the fact that solar is still a new a new technology it's still a new energy and it's um, quite expensive regarding towards mass usage, especially from Macedonia, because we're a country that also has quite a low standards. So we have lower standards in the European Union. We are a developing country or an ex-socialist country and that carries with itself a lot of disadvantages. Um, however, there were developments in the last few years. Um, several solar power plants were built. And also the government was giving away subsidies for installing solar panels within the household. So a lot of households nowadays have their own solar panels, which they use and they usually save up to, let's say, from 200 to 300 euros per year of electricity, thanks to, to the installment of this power, I guess, of these uh, solar panels. I see the biggest potential here in the cooperation with China because China is actually one of the leaders in re renewable energy, especially regarding solar power plants. It makes 80% of the world's supply of solar panels. 80%, yeah, that's, wow. <laughs> that's that's astonishing. That like that's a, yeah, it, it definitely sounds like a good fit. And not only from the side that we can provide solar panels from there, but also I, I believe that uh, since the Chinese uh, science and engineering is advanced. I believe that there can be a lot of exchanges regarding the research and development phases because we have a lot of sunny days. Um, then joint uh, research activities can definitely help produce even more beneficial solar panels or let's say some smaller devices that can help the evaluation or, or the processing on how to place better the solar panels, new materials, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So and there is a lot of engineering or tech graduates in your country anyway so that's yes. more you can do yes and especially power power engineering especially renewable energies engineering it has been one of the top destinations for students in the past 10 years okay. since um, there have been a lot of new power plants that were opened not only not only solar power plants but hydro power plants Macedonia still hasn't used more than 20 percent of the hydro potential meaning that there is still a lot of potential here in the country um, and a lot of students are opting for, for that option. So we're talking about mechanical engineers, we're talking about electrical engineers, programmers, and also technical assistance people. So a lot of, a lot of energy and resources is being put into, into renewable resources. And additionally, because we are a country that is coal dependent, and the European Union also has um, yeah, the European Union New Green Deal for the phasing out of coal power plants, meaning that renewable energy and the usage of renewable energy is also another of the main topics and main priorities uh, for the future development of the country. It can be definitely a win-win situation for cooperation. Speaking of the future, um, it's not only about power. Um, we, are, we can also look at smart cities. So I know that North Macedonia could also be a place for the development of smart cities. Yes, digitalization, the modern era, the fourth industrial revolution, those are, um, those are the movements that have brought us smart cities even here in, in Macedonia, in a small Balkan country. Um, there have been several projects lately, uh, mainly for lightning and for, for parking places. So initiatives. Uh, and projects that were implemented in order to, to make smart lightning as part of the smart cities and in order to allow smart parking places, which can actually help cope, especially in Skopje, because Skopje is hectic. So whenever it comes to the rush hour, it's just like you wish you never went out 
and because <laughs> it, it, it has a huge traffic jam in peak hours. And therefore, by having this smart city solutions, it can definitely help improve the lives of the citizens more than just help organize the city better. Mm -hmm. Well, just, when, just now when you were mentioning the history and the sunny days of your country, I think it's growing on me and I really want to make it my next destination. Yes, as you can see, it's so sunny right now and it's, it's, it's almost November. <laughs> so before COVID, are we seeing a lot of tourists coming from China? Um, there has been a rise in Chinese tourists since the beginning of the, the BRI. So let's in, in the last 10 years, there has been a significant rise of Chinese tourists. However, we're still not, uh, let's say, that high up on the map regarding Chinese tourists. Um, the biggest number of tourists that are coming here are actually Netherlands, from Netherlands. So a lot of people from Netherlands are coming here and visiting Ohrid or, or Skopje or other cities. Khrushchev, for example, those are also amazing cities with a lot of history. Uh, but there has been a rise. Though I believe that uh, by, by having good public campaigns or by having good marketing campaigns in China, the, the situation can be improved and a lot more Chinese people can come here and visit Macedonia, learn about our culture, learn about our language, our traditions, and just dwell into our way of living. That brings a lot of opportunities to travel agencies, hotels, anyone related yes. to the industry. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And also for, because we are a country that also, the, the tourism is a very important part of our economy. We're a very small, small economy and tourism also takes up a lot of a big proportion from it. Then that would mean additional economic growth towards developing tourism and also developing alternative ways of tourism. So we know that agricultural tourism, for example, because here on the Balkans, that is one of the greatest things. We actually have probably the tastiest vegetables and fruits regarding the European soil because a lot of them are natural GMO free so they are they are groomed in a more natural way and therefore there can be like a lot of big opportunities for agricultural tourism and also for mountain tourism and also for for let's say adventure tourism because um, Macedonia is, is a mountain country and people can actually go, yeah, they can go hiking, they can go horseback riding in the mountains, you can do kayaking, there are some fast rivers here. So it's, it has a lot of potential, especially, and, and activities that can be interesting for tourists. Now, um, so we've talked about so many fields that are having great potential between cooperation of China and North Macedonia. Now, if I am a company based in North Macedonia, what should I do to, you know, step step into the Chinese market? I mean, is, is the government providing any help? Where can I get the information? Yes, unfortunately, majority of businesses here have to rely on their own desk research and their own contacts in order to enter the Chinese market. So even though Macedonia has been present on some expos, the presence is still, let's say, in some certain rudimentary phases. And um, I, I believe it, uh, in a survey done in 2020 regarding the business climate, more than half of the companies had said that they actually had a lot of problems regarding the access to information on how to cooperate with Chinese companies. Right. Because first of all, we have the language barrier. So if, if, if we look at the younger generations, yes, a lot of us speak great English, but regarding the older generations, which are the businessmen and businesswomen of today, a lot from the Macedonian businessmen don't speak fluent English. And the same goes towards Chinese businessmen. That is one of the problems. Then additionally, travel, because travel is definitely expensive. Countries are very far apart. And the need of the visas, because in order to travel to China, we need a visa. So um, I believe that here a more structured, approach and building of institutional capacity because we, we now lack institutional capacity regarding development of business uh, in China is the number one priority and should be the number one priority for our external policies, especially regarding economic diplomacy and foreign direct investment or attracting foreign direct investment. Um, so building uh, great institutions and having better understanding and also China should be more present in the public debate because right now the most attractive locations for doing business from the side of Macedonian companies are usually the Western European countries. So we're talking about Austria, we're talking about Germany mainly, and then also United States, which are known as 
as one of the biggest and, and most attractive business partners. So in order to do that, uh, two fronts have to be played. So one of them will be raising awareness for the existence and possibilities for cooperation. And then the other would be building uh, good capacities where Macedonian companies can actually go to China, they can present themselves, they can get access to Chinese investors. Also, um, the startup scene, that is a very important uh, sector of the Macedonian economy, I would like to point out, because in the past five to seven years, it has been growing rapidly. A lot of um, a lot of new companies have been opened. They usually work for exports. So we are one of the main uh, outsourcing hubs currently in Europe. There are a lot of VC money comes from. There has been only only two VC funds that were active here, and only one donation done. Yeah, only one investment, bigger investment from a VC fund done here in the past three years. Um, however, we are a top location for outsourcing. So a lot of companies, a lot of IT companies from Europe, UK, and the US have actually founded um, their daughter companies here, and employ more than let's say. 300, 400, or 1,000 people per company, meaning that we are also quite advanced and we are still quickly advancing regarding the ICT field. And I already mentioned about the startup phase, so it will definitely be a huge advantage if we can attract, besides the, the traditional investors that we have here, mainly angel investors and investments fund, investment funds, uh, it'll be very good if we can attract also Chinese investors, so like the joint ventures, or um, yeah, or or just invest in Macedonian companies because there is a lot of potential for the fintech industry. There is a lot of potential for artificial intelligence, machine learning, the automotive industry. So the biggest proportion of our exports are actually falling up to the automotive industry. We have companies in Macedonia that are building chips. We have companies that are building high-level and advanced machines, but those are, let's say, um, only one, two, or five, or 10 companies. And access to, to money, access to funding has been a problem for our company. So if we have the opportunity to receive funding from abroad, we can actually um, benefit more and our companies can grow more and be even better business partners for, for foreign investors, especially for Chinese investors. We just like you said, maybe the first thing we can do is to get some North Macedonia delegates and companies to join the annual import expo that takes place in Shanghai, which I don't believe they have mm -hmm. done so far. Yes, I think that they have. I think that they have. I actually believe that there have been representatives from Macedonian companies there. But the thing is that um, it's, it's a huge level event. And sometimes unless things are done on more political basis regarding because we are a very small country so less than two million people that means that not a very let's if 20 or 30 business people can go to china per year and uh, the odds are not in our favor unless a more high level priority is being put therefore i believe that it's very important for for, for the case in macedonia to have a very good cooperation with the government export agency because when things go on ministerial level then probably for the next expo, the Macedonian companies can also get sort of a, like um, a better presentation or more opportunities for presentation for investors. So it definitely has to be a joint venture. Now we've talked about the high level um, cooperations between the governments and that's undoubtedly important. But the BLI is also about some yes. bottom up initiatives, some um, grassroots exchanges and the youth may be a good place to start. So can you tell us what are the main issues that are facing the North Macedonian youth at the moment? And could the BRI be a way out for some of them? So the biggest problem here that youth is faced with is youth unemployment and brain drain. So even though we have a lot of highly skilled youth uh, and highly skilled, highly skilled young professionals, people who have um, university degrees, people who have done internships abroad, internships here in the country, um, there is still lack of supply for decent workplaces. Meaning that a lot from the young people, almost half of all the young people, if we take into consideration the United Nations definition of young people, which is from the ages of 15 till 29, are jobless and they have difficulty entering the labor market. Meaning that 
Yes, yes, that is that is actually one of the, the burning problems in my country. So the youth unemployment. And in case if there are more Chinese direct investments, so we're talking about foreign direct investments, opening up of companies or manufacturing um, production facilities, especially in propulsive sectors like the automotive industry, like um, manufacturing uh, of, of machines or chips or ICT manufacturing. In that case, we can actually uh, even maybe airplane industry, probably some parts, manufacturing of some certain parts uh, that will open up new workplaces for young people, even a company making solar panels, FDI in for making solar panels will, will open up a lot of workplaces for young people and will help absorb the, the youth unemployment. Additionally, um, a great, another great problem is the brain drain because a lot of our talents, a lot of young people with huge potential opt to leave the country in order to pursue a more stable political environment from one side. Um, and better not only work opportunities but also better uh, better chances for advancement because here due to the fact that the economy is small uh, there aren't a lot of companies you can choose to in certain sectors it's almost a monopoly so if you like to get a better job then you have to look outside of the country like like and, countries where, where what are the usual destinations uh, the main destination is usually germany mm. so germany Uh, Western European countries like Germany, Austria, Switzerland, um, Belgium. Belgium is also one of the top priorities. A lot of people opt to move out to Australia. We have very huge amount, very big amount of people who moved out to Australia. We have people who have moved to Canada and the United States. There, there is quite a significant um, Macedonian minority there. Well, uh, but in the meantime, I'm sure some of them would love to gain some Asian exposure, like yourself. Yes, so, like myself, for example. Um, they can, they can um, you know, join a party and get to know more about China. The thing is that there have been a lot of a lot of efforts into introducing China um, into into the mix here. Uh, For many people, China is more like an exotic destination, let's say. So it, it's it's very far, far away. East. <laughs> far East, yeah, it's exactly it's, it's the Far East. It's um it's a country that is not that that famous to people here. So it's it, people, it's it's kind of from one side, it's very far-fetched because for example, if you want to travel to Germany, you only need 30 euros and you're there in an hour. In order to travel to China, you need like 13 or 14 hour flight. And there are no direct lines, so people have to skip over and then just like you have to decide to go there. And therefore, by having a lot, a lot more presence in the public debate, for example, a lot more events where people can meet China uh, or people can meet actually Chinese culture or meet Chinese people, just get to exchange, get to know uh, one another. I believe that that will be very beneficial, especially for young people, because young people are the ones who like to try out new things. And young people are actually the ones who are not that strict into traditions and are actually willing to be more accepting um, of the differences um very actually the, the confucius institute is uh, is an organization that has been very active in that field so from one side you have the chinese language classes um and also events so th this week there was an event for to meet chengdu it was a very interesting event where you just you can go there and see a presentation of the city and um, have a person who lived there and is currently staying here in Macedonia is one of the Chinese language teachers actually <laughs> in the Confucius Institute explaining for explaining uh, the way of living there, uh, traditions, cultures, showing pictures, showing blog posts. And that was, it was an amazing event where you get to get firsthand experience and what is life looking like in China, because China is, is, is a very big country, so it varies from side to side. And currently, I feel as, as if the, the majority of the people here only know China as, um, as a country where people eat different foods than here. So, <laughs> yeah, with, with, extreme, with extreme culinary preferences. <laughs> yeah, and, and unfortunately, I believe that uh, those types of events should be on a much bigger scale. Then there should be also cultural exchanges. For example, um, here in Europe, it's quite easy 
to travel uh, with full groups. So a lot of full groups are traveling around. They're going to different festivals in Europe, just meeting up with people. It will be nice if that can be done, like cultural exchanges with Chinese students. It can be done in elementary school because we are, as a country candidate for your accession, we have a lot of European um, programs present here. So we have the Erasmus Plus exchanges which are great and a lot of young students young people especially um, high school and university students get the opportunity to go and travel and mix with people from different european countries it would be nice if a more of a large-scale exchanges were done between macedonia and china i know that there is um there is actually a chain exchange each year which is happening mainly it's it's done by mainly students who study chinese language are the ones that go uh, in chengdu for two-week courses and then they get the opportunity to, to just travel around the country, to dwell into the yeah, culture nice. of the country, which is amazing. And I, I'm really looking forward to, to having that experience probably next year, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. So just to, to get to experience that on my on my own. And um, besides that, there aren't many opportunities. So even for studying, uh, there are scholarships from the Chinese government, which is excellent. And it's, it's really good. Um, however, I don't think that currently it is one of the top destinations, but it, that can be improved. Just a little bit more positive marketing and a little bit more getting to know each other. So starting up step-by-step step with events and, and different initiatives, there is a huge potential. And especially regarding academic exchange, I believe that the young people from here can actually learn a lot from, from Chinese. Because I, I had the opportunity to to go like to, to be part of the Young Belt and Road forums in China, and then when you when you actually exchange with people, you you find out a lot of things that you cannot do by a simple desk research, and it's it's truly an amazing experience. And I really hope that more opportunities like this will be will be provided. So not only in the education sector, but also research institutes, exchanges. Um, exchange exchange of students, especially students traveling to live in different families. That would be that would be that would be really nice because I was in Italy. I was living in an Italy, in an Italian family as part of an exchange program, and I also had a Spanish girl living here in my family as part of an exchange program. And that is you the speak Spanish and Italian as well. Uh, no, I speak French, German and Spanish. Okay. <laughs> and I started learning Chinese, but <laughs> I, I don't think I'll be speaking Chinese in the next five or ten years. <laughs> Maybe just the basics. <laughs> Maybe just the basics, but yeah. Uh, and, and that's how actually, that's how you get to learn the language, because I know something Italian, because when, when, I, when I was living in the Italian family, the parents didn't know any English. So I had to like read something and then I had to learn some basic phrases in order to be able to communicate with them, which was very cool. And, and that is an amazing learning experience. Now, um, so we have talked a lot about the, the, the young people. In terms of the general public of your country, um, what is the attitude towards um, the BRI or what more can we do to improve the cultural exchanges or bring the cultures together? So the thing now with the BRI is that it, it hasn't been specifically very present here. So uh, you don't read about it on newspapers. Yes, you don't read about it in newspapers. The only time when people started reading about it in the newspapers is through the Chinese uh, president. Oh. The Chinese, yeah, the Chinese president, because um, the relations between China and Serbia have actually risen up to a point where people started becoming aware of the Belt and Road Initiative and of everything and the engagement of China and in the Balkans, mainly through the positive campaign that his cabinet is doing. And that's how people in Macedonia actually found out that there is actually that something is happening, that China is, is becoming present here. So the only touch point they had with Chinese investments was the one that I mentioned before regarding the infrastructural projects. And those uh, those were connected with negative annotations, whereas now they can see actually the, the positive example from from Serbia, and people are actually starting to become more aware about the initiative and what the initiative can bring here. Uh, usually on the news, the past uh, forums have been there were small let's say aspect, small 
um, video clips from the forums that were presented on the news. However, a bigger, bigger campaign would definitely help people uh, gain more insights. And also there is a lack of interest from our side because people here like to do, to do things the easy way. So for them, it's easy just to, to rely on the things that they already know, which is, for example, let's say Germany. People already know about Germany. So they have, there have been a lot of exchanges between people. Like even my, my great grandparents have traveled to Germany and it, it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, it's close here and it's, it's more, uh, yes. Of course. And therefore uh, there should be a, a bit more public debate, a bit more engagement from the side of the of the public sector, of the CSOs, the NGO sector. The NGO sector isn't very engaged into, into Chinese matters. And if the NGO sector is a bit more proactive and tends to organize events that can bring the cultures together, then that, that would definitely be a huge benefit and people will become more aware of the existence of the initiative, especially young people, because young people uh, aren't the ones who are most aware that this initiative exists. And it, it's not streamlined. point of all these exchanges. Young people is the best. Yes, yes. And especially that is the thing that I would like to, to, to do somewhere in the future. So partnering between universities. For example, my university, the St. Cyril Methodius University, is very open for cooperation. Uh, we have, yes, we actually have... Um, we have uh, dual majors with American universities. So we have partnered with over 30 European universities, but we don't have a partnering university from China. And it would be great if we can have like a partner university from China and do exchanges each year. So send two or three students study a semester in China and then send Chinese students here, study a semester here. I think that that would be something that would really, really um, have a positive influence because here in Skopje or in Macedonia in general, you don't see a lot of Chinese people on a regular basis unless it's a group of tourists that are walking around. So it would be very nice if, if young people can actually have a representative from that country in their groups present during the debates at university, just like hanging out together, uh, having different types of activities together. That, that would be brilliant. That is something that, for example, I would like to, to to initiate somewhere in the future. Let's hope we can do all of this after the pandemic, and um, yes, just <laughs> do more yes. exchanges between the two countries. Thank you very much, Anastasia. You're welcome. For appearing on my show, um, it's been a pleasure. I'll see you soon. Thank you for inviting me, and. Um, See you soon, hopefully in Macedonia. <laughs> Bye. Bye.